0: Please open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 6. I'll title the message this morning simply, A Message for Deacon Ordination. Why not? (laughs) And uh, we were so blessed the last two Sundays to have this young lady sitting here with Karen and wish her Godspeed as she goes back across the ocean to be reunited with her husband as she and that they together serve the Lord in a far-off place. And uh, the nature of it is such that we're not supposed to, to tell when or who, but God knows. But what a blessing they are, and we delight to be co-laborers with them. Acts chapter 6, verse 7 verses. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen and Stephen, uh, some others with some funny names, <laughs> and uh, whom they set before them, before the apostles. And when they had prayed, and they laid their hands on them, and the word of God was increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient. the faith. Father, we bless you for the amazing unveiling of your will and your ways even from that day until now. We thank you for the high calling of God to be servants of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that Jesus came and is the ultimate model of what it means to serve, He came not to be served, but to serve. And we bless you for the serving ministry of the Holy Spirit to quicken our minds and hearts to get understanding and revelation and life transformation because of looking into your word today. And we just give thanks for the blessing of this time uh, for your honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we're going to uh, use this text as a context or as a setting for the ordaining of Mark Hendrickson to serve as a deacon. We're going to start with a few reminders of how Jesus builds his church. And um, as we're setting the stage for all that, I want to ask that Mark, who's being ordained, come and sit on the front pew here and our deacons come and we're going to move you two ladies back up here and deacons find your way up here and sit. uh, You can either sit on either side of Mark or you can sit on the next pew and then the elders will sit where Cindy is sitting. So if you're an elder, come and sit there. I want us to be reminded of some basics. Some of you, we're, in our home group, we're, we're looking at 16 aspects of a New Testament church. And some of the concepts of that will come from, will be set forth in some of the beginning here. First of all, the word ordaining and ordination itself, it basically means to appoint. And so, even though the Greek word for deacon, surprisingly, is not found in Acts chapter 6, nor anywhere else in the book of Acts, these men in Acts chapter 6 were clearly doing a deacon-type work. For what purpose? Well, there were just everyday mundane needs in the body of Christ there at the church in Jerusalem. They could have been Baptists because they were murmuring. (laughs) Baptists are not the only ones who murmur from time to time. But we've all been there and done that. And it's always a wonderful day when God shows solutions. And he did on this day, and he's done it for us on many, many occasions. You'll notice in the... uh, Acts chapter 6 that we just read that for the likes of just helping people sort out making sure that everybody gets fed uh, what do you need for that? You just need somebody with this gift of administration well that wouldn't hurt but the key thing is as we saw there that they be men of honest report and full of the Holy Spirit the character of the person is what's important one who is full of the Holy Spirit doesn't uh, walk on tops of pews but he manifests love joy peace goodness meekness faith ninefold expressions of the fruit of the Spirit so At the climax of this calling out these seven men, they uh, participated in uh, the laying on of hands, simply blessing these men and assigning them to ministry. Now in ordination for deacons and or for elders or pastors, we will often use the term "giving" the giving of a charge. That concept comes, for example, in Second Timothy chapter 4, where Paul said to Timothy, I charge you, I'm, I'm giving you an assignment, and in that case, when already in the New Testament era, uh, there was this sort of need, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who should judge to quicken the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For there will come a time when people will not endure sound doctrine. So the concept is to give a charge. In the case of deacons, to give a charge to take care of mundane, everyday everyday things that are needed in in an assembly of believers. So, We will uh, go through that at the conclusion of the sermon in just a few minutes. Uh, Brother Cloyd Young will be the first to state a word of appreciation and reception of Mark. And I know that uh, there's a dear family in our church that's been the recipient of much ministry through our brother. So I've asked Uh, Lou Wood on behalf of herself and Steve to give a word and then any of the deacons or elders or any of the rest of you who would like uh, join in at that point Um, at that point then Jaden will give a specific charge to Mark and then we'll put this chair where he's facing the audience and leave some space between there and the deacons and elders will come by for the laying on of hands. After that, we'll have a closing prayer uh, and a, a hymn that Bradley will pick out, followed by the congregation being encouraged to come by and personally give a word of greeting, appreciation, and covenant to pray for our dear brother. Now, the message is really a simple charge to all of us a charge to the congregation, a charge to deacons, elders, the whole family. And these are some of the concepts that are drawn from the 16 uh, concepts of a New Testament church. And one of the key ones would be like this The Lord Jesus Christ is our only head. We can't assume that anymore, because in our families and in the church, a lot of times we won't say it, but we want to be a, we want to be the head, we want to be in charge, or we don't like someone else doing this, that, or the other. Je- uh, Jesus is the head, and Southside exists to make him known. We're here to do what he wants, uh, and so we study his word, because that's where he reveals what he wants so that we can build uh, the church with his wisdom and his power. Obviously, this speaks of him being Lord. His Lordship includes every detail. Uh, Just like the the deacons here in Acts chapter 6, we're dealing with mundane, everyday things, so um, all of us are involved in those sort of things. And sometimes we don't think, well, you know, that simple thing, that... Everyday thing that in and of itself has nothing to do with spirituality, but how we do it and the attitude with which we do it has everything to do with spirituality. And if I don't win on that battle, I'm losing a lot of battles because isn't a lot of your life mundane, everyday stuff? It's just stuff. It may just be stuff, but you have to do it. And the attitude with which we do it speaks volumes. One of our favorite things to do in the mundane world, for example, is to complain about the weather. Now, no, I know none of you have never done that. I'm the only one. But the Bible is filled with instruction telling us that the weather, whether we like it or not, God's in charge of it. And so we have an opportunity to Bring God in the mi- You say you're thinking God's supposed to be in the middle of everything? Yes. That's what it means to be a Christian. To him, for Him to be Lord. To Him to be ruling over us as individuals, as family, as a church. There's a statement in that little booklet that we use that goes like this Jesus is the head, we're His body. Jesus is the Son. We're his brothers. Jesus is the shepherd. We are his flock. Now, many of you will be uh, well aware, if you can turn there, if you have your Bibles with you, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because one of the pictures that God gives us in understanding church. uh, I saw a long post that someone put on Facebook this week explaining all the reasons why uh, we should not feel obligated to attend church and pointing out all the bad things that people do at church. Well, yeah, a lot of bad things may happen. Uh, a lot of wrong may be done. But since when does one wrong give us the right to disregard what God says on another point. And so uh, the church is a body. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll start with verse 12. And the body is one. These, there are a number of letters in the New Testament written to local churches. And so Southside is an expression, it's one of the expressions in this town of a part of the body of Christ so we need to see ourselves in this assembly. Yes, we have oneness in Christ with people that we've never met. And we meet them, we may meet them on the other side of the ocean. When I went on mission trips overseas, it was such a blessing to meet people with a different language, different culture, and we were one around Jesus Christ. It was just precious. So, but no less precious to look at each other and to not see their quirks uh, but to see this is my brother this is my sister and oh how we need to learn something that God taught Saul of Tarsus in the moment of him becoming the apostle Paul we might say Saul of Tarsus had been beating up on Christians having them put in prison having them some of them killed and Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Um, Why are you persecuting me? Well, Jesus is now in heaven. Saul is on earth. Saul on earth is persecuting Jesus. How? By the way, he's treating the body of Christ. When you or I say or do bad things or have bad attitudes toward another Christian, That is exactly how we are treating Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. We may have just sung to the high heavens. We may have preached the greatest sermon we've ever preached. But the way I treat my wife, the way I treat my brothers and sisters in Christ, reveals the real spiritual temperature in my Christian walk. The way I treat others is the way I'm treating Jesus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So in this chapter, which is a wonderful chapter, it goes on talking about the church being a body and how that we are baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ and the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you, and so forth and so on. Here's a picture that we can all grasp. Uh, every one of you, I'm, I've noticed just in come standing here before you, your whole body came this morning. Some of us have a few parts that are aging or difficult. or My hair blew away in the wind or somewhere. But all, of my, all the members of my body came. And by the grace of God, under the instruction of the head. And so there's orderly function and fashion. And so, as we think about the church, each and every member is gifted by God for a purpose. Just like in our physical body. Ephesians 4.16 says, we are built up by that which every joint supplies. So that's that's a little concept of reminder about the church as a body. Well, what about pastors and elders? And so I'm going to use... Some other translations to help us here is So turn to 1st Peter chapter 5 and the first four verses. 1st Peter chapter 5, the first four verses. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. Peter was an apostle, also served as an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock, that's the word for pastor, over which, uh, feed feed the flock which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. This interesting point here, in verse 1 The Greek word is, uh, this is the word from which we get the word uh, Presbyterian, or we get the word elder. And poimen is the word for feed the flock. It's where we get the word shepherd or pastor. And then taking the oversight thereof, Episcopal's bishop Uh, in culture today, Bishop is, he's up here, the elders are here, the congregation is here. In God's economy, we're all brothers and sisters. And these concepts of elder, pastor, bishop, that does not speak of a title or of a hierarchy, but it speaks of the responsibility, the duty, what we're to be about. And uh, the Bible is so very plain on all of this. And it's needful for us to to be reminded. And he goes on to talk about being subject one to another and clothed with humility. And so we're to function, especially to elders, pastors, we are to be clothed with humility. Uh, We're to love and serve one another in a Christ-like manner. Someone has put it this way, that we, we pastors and elders serve as like player coaches. Uh, you're a player, you're on the field, and also a coach, modeling and equipping the saints for ministry that the whole body might be built up. Especially as we read some in 2 Timothy 4 uh, earlier, elders are to be faithful with the word. We're living in times just like Paul faced and Timothy faced when people do not want to hear the word do not want to endure the word they want something else and one of the brothers was witnessing to somebody who has a different religious background and they just said I don't believe in Jesus well if you've run into somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus that's okay but you believe in Jesus And Jesus is who he is, regardless of what somebody else believes. So humbly and boldly continue to raise the flag that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved, save the name of Jesus. Now, so think about the body. I mean, we're focused specifically this morning to deacons, uh, whereas elders and pastors are called to oversee, to rule, to teach, to rebuke, to exhort Deacons are appointed as servants in the church, ordained for ministry. And uh, then the church itself, uh, they function in the church. And one of the best definitions I ever heard of the word deacon is a servant who in in his haste to do his master's bidding kicks up dust. No hesitancy, God speaks, and that should be the attitude of every one of us. Uh, You say, well what about deaconesses? Uh, We don't believe in deaconesses. Well you need to believe in deaconesses. In churches where deacons have governing authority that's a problem. The The New Testament concept of deacon or deaconess has nothing to do with with authority, it has to do with servanthood. Phoebe, in the book of Romans, uh, Paul said, receive her. And she's there, at least in some translations, put the word as it literally is, as a deaconess. We don't ordain uh, deaconesses. Um, Maybe we should, but whether you're ordained or not, you should be one who models being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't understand. What are we to do? The Bible doesn't give you a list of things to do. It just identifies what you're to do by the name that you're given. You're to serve. I've had sincere men who were Schooled in the concept of deacons having authority, to say to my face, if being a deacon only means to be a servant, then I will not serve. And I blame the pastors who taught these dear men that concept. Praise be to God. For servants of the king, who in their haste to do his bidding, they kick up dust with their diligence. I commend the deacons in our fellowship and many in our fellowship who don't have the title for being servants. And you demonstrated beautifully just a few weeks ago during the experience of taking care of the memorial service for Brother Jack. He himself was a model of such uh, in the care of this building. See, it's not just physical things, but there there are many hard issues that are being dealt with as we minister to people. And I rejoice and commend our deacons for this. Uh, Again, so far as the congregation, how are we to function? Not by being lorded over now we are to submit to one another in the fear of God, but there's no place for lording over. The church is not to be governed by majority rule. Aren't we supposed to be democratic? There's no place in scripture where we the New Testament church is pushed forward or makes decisions by majority rule. Have you ever noticed in history and in the Bible how often the majority were wrong? We have 12 men who've gone and spied out the land. 10 say, yeah, there's good stuff over there and all this is good, but there are these giants. We can't do this. And two men said, oh, but we can because God will go with us. And they went with the majority. Now, minority is not always right. Majority is not always right. But we are to function by seeking to know how the Holy Spirit is leading, how the Word of God is directing us, how the head of the church is directing us. And so when we have humble hearts, then God will work through the congregation, through the pastors, through the deacons, through the congregation, and there will be actions and decisions which, as Acts 6, 5 says, please the whole multitude. So, the church being led by Holy Spirit-filled servant leaders in cooperation with Spirit-filled people, the result is a beautiful harmony whereby we make decisions and we can say with these early apostles, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're looking for. And that's why we often have Instead of voting on something, we will have an open forum, as we call it, if it's something that we need to do that with. We've carried out church discipline. Uh, We've made some pretty serious decisions. Uh, Some of the everyday or monthly decisions, the deacons and elders just deal with it there together. And if it's something that needs to be announced, we announce it. But sometimes there's something that needs to be brought before the whole church church and we'll send out something about it. And we'll have an open forum and, and who knows to whom God may give the wisdom. I still remember uh, after a, a good spirited deacon and elders meeting we had been given the opportunity to pay $2,500 for a newer organ. Uh, the the one that we had, you can no longer get parts for. It landed in Sumner County right after the water came down when Noah got off the boat. It was almost that old. And so some friends we met told us about this organ that they had inherited they didn't need. So we all thought it was a good idea. And after the meeting, two ladies came up and said, did we do the right thing? I said, I don't know. I said, well, what... Well, what does the organist think about it? It's, I don't know. Now I know that we've gone and we've looked at new organs. In those days, the new one, this one right here, was eleven thousand dollars. We didn't have eleven thousand dollars, so we didn't give it serious consideration. And these two ladies said, "Well, can we come back next week and talk about this some more and let the organist just share with us her what she thinks about it?" We can't do that. We've already decided. The deacons have decided. The elders have decided. No, 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 no. Here's are some sincere people in the church who have a valid concern. They're not making a demand. They're saying, why don't we look at this? And it's not, not to lift her up, but she had the vision. We didn't have the vision. We were just thinking dollars and cents. We've got a better organ for only $2,500. Sounds like a win, win, win. So just do it. When Cindy got through making the presentation about what could be done through this organ, there was not a dissenting vote. And we didn't didn't really vote, but there was just a consensus over the whole congregation. And as the communication went back and forth, the only stipulation was that we have to have the money before we buy it. If the Lord provides the money, we do it. And it was pretty short order we had the money. This is not to lift up any individual. It's talking about how a body functions and how we need to uh, draw upon the wisdom from first one and then the other so that we can say it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. Concluding this section with the function of the church, we go directly to the Scripture. We're to teach or disciple And to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to those whom we've led to Christ and have seen baptized. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So it's in this context, in these points about Jesus and his church, that we ordain Mark Henderson as a deacon. And the context in which Jesus is charging all of us to press forward together as servants of the Lord.